So I've been in meetings where I'm sitting with the business owner and they start tearing up because they've always wanted somebody that could take over their business within their family and they don't have that. And so when they look across the table and they're like, I want to give you an honest, fair deal. And at the same time, I want you to feel like in five years time, you can come in and be excited about what we've done. That's what they've been seeking. So we try to fill that gap. Are you ready to hear business stories and learn effective ways to build relationships, generate sales, and level up your business from awesome CEOs, entrepreneurs, and founders without listening to a long, long, long interview? If so, you've come to the right place. Gresh values your time and is ready to share with you the valuable info you're in search of. This is the I Am CEO Podcast. Hello, hello, hello. This is Gresh from the I Am CEO Podcast, and I have a very special guest on the show today. I have Malcolm Peace. Malcolm, excited to have you on the show. Hey, Gresh. Thanks for having me. Real honor. Yes, the honor's all ours, and you're doing so many phenomenal things. And what I wanted to do before I jumped into doing this great interview, I want to read a little bit more about Malcolm so you can hear about all the greatness that he's doing. So Malcolm is making Texas feel smaller, working with small businesses throughout the state. His company, Sit Sarah, Growth Partners buys well-established blue-collar and industrial-type businesses to see them thrive by implementing software, standard operating procedures, moving them into their next phase. They are long-term buyers looking to maintain the existing team and build upon the previous owner's legacy. And what I absolutely love about Malcolm is I think he has entrepreneurship in his blood from both his mom and his dad. And one of my absolute favorite questions I always want to ask people is like, How'd you come up with your business name? So I love the legacy that he has within his business name. And I'm sure we'll hear a little bit more about that. But I also love how he couples his consulting coaching practice and, and background with that. And then I think he also has been back-to-back national championship coach as well, too, if I read that correctly. So Malcolm, excited to have you on the show. Are you ready to speak to the IMCO community? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Thanks so much. That was super kind words. I appreciate it. Candidly, you went deep into the history. Time has moved on, unfortunately, <laughs> and life moves on real quick. Uh, I always find that coming up on years and just past all that kind of stuff. So grateful, um, grateful for you to do that background check on me. I appreciate it. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, the beautiful thing about history and doing great things is it, it, it stays and it lasts there. So it's good that you have those uh, banners that you've been able to put up, I guess you could say. Sure. Appreciate it. Yeah, I had a recent one too. I'll have to brag a little bit. I, Go I finally it. got an Ironman, a full Ironman under my belt. So I'm pretty proud of that too. Ah. So I'll update that bio a little bit. So that was a neat thing to be able to do that. So yeah, that's a life accomplishment that I didn't think was going to happen. It started a few years ago and it's pretty exciting. So, few years anyways, of training? Little, little drop. What's few, that? Few, few years of training? Yeah, I had a buddy that was started doing triathlons. I got a little envious of his skill set and what he was building. And I was like, all right, I can do this thing. And then he ended up being the guy that watched my dog while I went over to do the Ironman. So it was fun. Fun how everything came around. But yeah, I absolutely love that. It's so funny because I remember as a kid, I don't know what time of day, but I always remember seeing it super late or super early seeing the Ironman and seeing people do all that stuff. Yeah. So it's uh, super awesome to, to say that we have somebody now that it has been able to just do that and, and fresh off of accomplishing that too. Sure. Appreciate it. Yeah. So I think you asked a second ago um, about the story behind Sit Sarah. Yeah. So my family immigrated from South Africa, but before they did that, they were from the kind of southern part of Africa and mixed around different places over time. But right on the border of Mozambique and Zimbabwe was Mount Sitsera. And my great-grandfather owned about 50,000 acres, 70,000 acres of land running one of the largest cattle and dairy producing um, farms in the area. And so candidly, he was able to employ tons of people in the area and bring a beacon of employment as well as just a good product to the region. 
But that's where the inspiration comes from. That farm, because of civil wars and different things that have happened over time, we've lost that farm. And so it's always been this homage to what my family was able to build. And then simultaneously, like how we want to do business. We want to do business where we take care of the people that are in-house and we want to take care of the people that are out of the house. And so that's the way we think about it. We try to do it differently. We try to do it right. I try, and often cases when we take over businesses, I always try to say, this is where we're starting guys. And and we're going to be continuing to add rungs to opportunity. Sometimes we take over businesses and they've never had a single paid holiday to sometimes they have never been given an opportunity to grow within the company. People have been in certain roles for a long period of time. And so we, we really try to build a pathway internally. And then final, finally, we try to do it right by our customers by creating greater and greater value for them. Yeah, I absolutely love that. I love that word that you use, the homage, because I think when you think about, obviously, the legacy that your family has, I think anytime you probably talk to most entrepreneurs and business owners, you think about the blood, sweat, and tears, all the things that they put into their organizations and having that opportunity to to, to have, for lack of a better word, maybe a partnership or a way that history, that legacy, those foundational values they might even have with their organizations are going to continue on is absolutely huge. Yeah, no, we, we try to do it right. And I think that helped. We're not going to be buying tons and tons of businesses throughout the year. We obviously try to do it um, just right a few times. And I feel like that's where I can lay my hat and come home to dinner and talk to my kids and tell them that we did it right and took care of these people and, and so on and so forth. So yeah, we try to. Nice. I absolutely love that. So I, I know you touched a little bit upon like how that process works, how you're working with your clients. So I wanted to drill down a little bit more in here, you know, what that process looks like, how you're making that impact and in, in, in doing things the right way that you, as you. Yeah. 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 Great question. So whenever we buy a business, it's often the largest asset that they will ever sell in their history of their life. It, it, so that's a big component of it. It's a blood, sweat and tears. Sometimes there's good taste um, in the family because of the business. Sometimes there's not such good taste in the business. I always try to tell people sometimes we come in as like the quasi son, niece, nephew, or daughter that business always wanted to have that they could hand off to. So I've been in meetings where I'm sitting with the business owner and they start tearing up because they've always wanted somebody that could take over their business within their family and they don't have that. And so when they look across the table and they're like, I want to give you an honest, fair deal. And at the same time, I want you to feel like in five years time, you can come in and be excited about what we've done that's what they've been seeking. So we try to fill that gap. And there's lots of great people across the country and and other places that are doing this, but we try to do it really localized in Texas. We're exclusively in Texas. And candidly, I think that we have a skill set that provides ourselves a unique opportunity with kind of three to $12 million type revenue businesses where anybody that's been able to do a seven figure business, there's so many statistics out there. I think it's like less than 10% actually make that hurdle And so it's a real difficult aspect. And so we try to take over that business knowing that what you've done previously is a huge accomplishment. We're just here to take on the baton to the next level and we'll do it in a certain fashion with kind of our game plan. Nice. That that makes so much sense. And and are most of the the businesses that you're working with or to go through that process with, are they mostly like family owned and, and, and family connected? Yeah, yeah, that's exactly right. We, we certainly have looked at other deals that have not always been founder family, founder or family, you know, own still. Um, but most of them are. And and candidly, most of them are because that person has built the business around them in a lot of ways. Businesses at this size often don't transfer very well. And I hate to be Debbie Downer about that, but they really don't. They struggle. There's a lot of statistics around even businesses transitioning to family members in this space. It's a really tough transition because a lot of the business is centered around the business owner. In our world and, and the way we talk to business owners, it's usually a centralized business. It's centralized around the owner. People have built those muscles to be able to communicate to the owner in a certain way, understand how the owner works, know about his ticks or her ticks that go on and so on and so forth. 
And so when I try to explain to an owner, hey, we're going to come in and we're going to create a decentralized business where I'm not in the middle, it's a very confusing, puzzling situation, or they've often wanted that to happen and they haven't figured their way through that. So we're very intentional that way. And But we also have to, when we're going in through a due diligence process or evaluating a deal, we have to go through the, the ring of a roll of like, how well will this business transition? Because sometimes it can be a little bit uh, difficult. Yeah, that makes so much sense. And, and that might be part of what you feel like is your secret sauce, the thing you feel touch your part and makes you unique. It'd be, of course, for yourself or the business or a combination of both. But is it that ability to, again, understand that human aspect, but also understand the, the practical things that when you walk into a business that need to be done to help to get to ultimately where that goal um, that they want to be? Yeah, personally, there's a lot of people doing the same playbook as us. I don't think we're recreating a wheel. Loco no-code software is here. It's everyone's, a lot of people are doing it. Um, I think we're implementing it into a really good space because a lot of these businesses that we buy, not to give it all away, have one software maybe. And so at the end of the day, like there's a lot of low-hanging fruit opportunity for us to do that. But I think one of the things that I'm particularly good at, and I always have to like balance between deal making and going and finding businesses to buy and interacting with business owners that are new and the operating businesses that we have is I think I have an ability to take complex things and water them down in such a way that people can see the vision. And I think that that is what is super, super important. And I can also be the energizing buddy that needs to implement stuff. And so we, we had a project that we had to do on Friday with one of the businesses. And I spent a good portion of the day just working on that and pushing it through. And I think that allowing everyone to see the vision of like why this is important and why they need to prioritize it and all that kind of stuff is maybe my secret sauce um, personally. That for whatever reason, going and getting my MBA, but also at the same while, first generation American, didn't come from much. I think I have an ability to talk to just about anybody on the spectrum. Yeah, that's absolutely huge. And I, and I always feel like, and I think there's a quote, and I always switch to that one as well, too, as my, amongst many others, is that a true shine of, sign of excellence is actually being able to simplify the things that you do, simplify the complex. So I wanted to switch gears a little bit. And I want to ask you for what I call a CEO hack. This could be an app, a book, or even a habit that you have, but what's something that makes you more effective and efficient? I am ridiculous about what I call $10 tasks. So I constantly walk around with the team and on my team and so on and so forth and say, is that a $10 task? Because if it is, we're going to outsource it. And so we, we bring on really capable, great people by way of just economics of the world We can hire folks across the seas that um, are more cost effective than local. And so as a result, we outsource a lot of what I call $10 tasks. If it cannot be produced in a Loom video or something of that nature, we need to upskill the people and we need to hand off as much as possible. So yeah, my team knows, like I walk around, I'm like, that's a $10 task. That's a $10 task. That's a $10 task. But they're so used to doing everything or they're so used to going through the CEO to ask a question or so on and so forth. And so I think that's the hack. I think that's the game that we're playing in a lot of ways to be able to scale these businesses quicker. When I can afford three people for the price of one, we're going to do it. And I I hate to say it, but I I think that we're trying to build a net to catch as much value as humanly possible. And the way to do that is not just keep it just local. And there's a way to spread it around. Main team is always based in Texas. We're headquartered in Texas, every business that we buy. But we're going to scale fast with a team who's highly capable and highly competent to be able to help us. Yeah, absolutely. Especially in this day and age, this globalization uh, where you have the opportunity to uh, be effective and efficient. So would you consider that be a little bit more of your CEO nugget? This is a little bit more word of wisdom or piece of advice. I, I usually say it might be advice you would tell to your favorite client or if you hopped into a time machine, you might tell your younger business self. Yeah, I would say know what you're not willing to do because you're uncomfortable with 
doing it and go do that and bring people along with you to make that happen. I, I can tell you, it sounds so embarrassing. I was so ashamed of my cold email outreach for the longest time that we were so bad at it, but I knew I could talk on the phone. So I would just call cold call people. Then I was like, wait a second, this is not working well. And so we started cold emailing and then I would follow up with a phone call and all of a sudden I got way warmer responses on the phone. And so I was like, okay, I need to stop. So there was an aspect of raise the level of yourself personally and the team will follow because they'll see you do it. If they're aware that, and usually they're aware because they're like, all right, Malcolm's punting this project over and over and over again. Um, They're usually aware like, all right, he doesn't want to do it. Now he's actually doing it. He's raising the level. I should raise my level too. So I think that's contagious and you have to be willing to do it starting with you initially. Yeah, I, I love that, especially like you said, going around the raising the level. And, and sometimes, especially as a leader, we often forget like the change that you want to see in the world or especially in your organization starts with you and it becomes infectious. It, it's for better or worse. It's that stench that might be a good stench or might be not so good stench. So whatever you're doing, whatever you might be punning, whatever you might be avoiding, those are the things that are going to create that culture within your organization as well, too, where you have team members that are avoiding certain things that maybe they don't want to level up. They want to do the thing. So I, I love that uh, practicality of it because I think it's something we can gloss over. Yeah, I love it. Yeah, totally agree. Awesome, awesome, awesome. So now I wanted to ask you my absolute favorite question, which is the definition of what it means to be a CEO. And our goal is to have different quote unquote CEOs on this show. So Malcolm, what does being a CEO mean to you? So CEO stands for chief executive officer. That was its original plan. I think that CEOs, the title CEO gets given way too early. You started a business, it's just you. Maybe you got one person working with you and you call yourself CEO. I think that definition holds immense weight in how you grow the business. So here's what I mean by that. If you say, I'm going to CEO of a company, we're in year two, and you don't have another executive, you're not the chief of the executives. And so I have a very hard opinion about that, where I actually call myself the president for a long, 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 long time until we have chief executives to be able to go and and be alongside. So I think the definition of a CEO is someone that's willing to create a culture that brings people along with you and don't do it where you are always at the top. Because candidly, a chief CEO has a vision, but they also are not the implementer all the time. And so you've got a COO that goes alongside you. So I think with a CEO, the definition for me is somebody that has the self-respect for themselves to bring along other great people to be able to bring apart the vision and everything that you're trying to implement, not just the leader of all. Nice. I absolutely love that perspective and and that definition. I I look at Apple, candidly. Steve Jobs was incredible in so many ways and got to honor his legacy, but Tim Cook blew up the place. He made it amazing, right? Like He took it to the next level in so many ways from a revenue diversification perspective, all these things. Not saying that Steve probably didn't have some of those ideas and he wasn't able to do that in his time he could have, But to see a COO step into the CEO role and to be able to continue to baton just running it forward, that's what you've got to recreate. If you're going to be a CEO and you're going to put that on your mantle and say, I've accomplished this, or you give yourself that title, you've got to do it with an honor that you're going to replicate yourself and be able to grow people alongside you. That's the responsibility of that role. Yeah, absolutely. And so what I want to do now is pass you the mic, so to speak, just to see if there's anything additional that you can let our readers and listeners know. And of course, how best people can get a hold of you, find about all the awesome things you and your team are working on. Yeah. So we are always active in the Texas business market area. We're looking at businesses that we can buy and take over the legacy of the owners. 
At the same while, we're looking for great operators to be a part of what we're doing. So we have found that over time, there's a lot of folks that want to be running businesses. They want to be in Texas. And so we want to bring them part of what we're doing and come join us and run these businesses alongside us. So we're always actively recruiting for that as well. There'll be more information on our website. You can check it out. So you can reach us at sitsera.com. It's spelled T-S-E-T-S-E-R-R-A. I'm all over social media, different places. So I'd love to be able to connect with you. Any of those things, we'd be happy to uh, talk a little bit more. Nice. Absolutely love that. And of course, we're going to have the links and information in the show notes as well, too, so that everybody can follow up with you. So thank you so much, my friend, and I hope you have a phenomenal rest of the day. Cool. Thanks for having me. Thank you for listening to the I Am CEO podcast powered by CB Nation and Blue 16 Media. Tune in next time and visit us at imceo.co. I Am CEO is not just a phrase, it's a community. Want to level up your business even more? Read blogs, listen to podcasts, and watch videos at cbnation.co. Also, check out our I Am CEO Facebook group. This has been the I Am CEO Podcast with Gresham Harkless Jr. Thank you for listening.